in her article entitled, How Often Do Kids Say Mom in a Day? I Counted, blogger Janine Dutt writes this. Let me start by saying that I love my children more than anything in this world, more than, the, than their nirvana of shopping alone at Target, more than Ben and Jerry's truffle kerfuffle, and even more than Maggie Smith on Downton Abbey. But if I hear the word mom one more time today, I am going to lose it. In fact, I just Googled how many questions do kids ask in a day because I know I'm not alone here. Are you ready for this? According to a UK study, moms field nearly 300 questions a day from their offspring, making them the most quizzed people around above even teachers, doctors, and nurses. Fun fact, girls aged four are the most curious, averaging a question every one minute, 56 seconds of their waking day. No wonder emails go unanswered. Laundry piles up, library books expire before they are read, and we scramble at the last minute for that birthday gift. Please don't ever leave me Amazon Prime, she says. <laughs> we are constantly interrupted during any given task. As an experiment, I decided to make a list of all the times I heard the word mom, followed by a question or comment for the rest of the day. I grabbed a small notebook like Harriet the Spy and lasted six hours before my hand cramped from all the writing. And in those six hours, I was beckoned 159 times. While I won't torture you with reading all 159 questions, comments posed to me, here's a sampling below. Nine-year-old daughter. Mom, come look at this picture of Miley Cyrus. Please let it be the Hannah Montana version. <laughs> Mom, guess how many butt cheeks are in our house? Um, does the dog count? Mom, who are you? Like, in an existential way? Mom, this kid at school said that one middle finger equals 20 bad words. How is that possible? Oh, it's possible. <laughs> Mom, I just found a humongous house in California and it only cost $14 million. Okay, I'll get right on that purchase, sweetie. Mom, what are we doing today? Mom, can I invite a friend over? Mom, what's for dinner? Mom, can I have candy? From the 15-year-old son. Mom, can you tell Ava to leave? I'm trying to watch a show. Mom, have you seen my phone? times three. Mom, I can't find my phone. Mom, can I borrow your phone? Mom, she's bothering me again. Mom, what are you writing? An article. On what? How many questions I'm asked in a day? Why? Is it a lot? Seriously? I'm adding that one. 18-year-old daughter away at college. What's the Amazon password? Could you order me a RX bar variety pack box? Are Craigslist ads always sketchy? How do I know it's, if it's legit? You don't, stay up Craigslist. <laughs> Mrs. Dutt continues, she says, when I sat down to write this, I only had to glance at the kids' list to realize something significant. The older they get, the fewer questions they ask, the less they share, the less they actually talk. They have their friends, they have their smarter than mom phone. I mean, my older kids would never ask me what the population of China is, they would simply Google it. To my little one, I'm still the go-to, the one with all the answers, and I guess that's a pretty great thing to be. Perhaps some of you parents can relate to some of the frustration that Mrs. Dutt writes here. But whether you are a parent or not, I think this article points out something that perhaps we all miss at times in our relation to our Heavenly Father. You see, for me as an imperfect parent, I can get frustrated with the constant needs of my children, or the persistent questioning that they can bring, especially when they ask a host of questions of which I am really ill-equipped to answer. Perhaps you are one who has been hurt by an imperfect parent 
who did not listen to you well at all, if they actually even listened ever. These scenarios, as well as others, I believe can lead us to miss an opportunity of communion, to miss an opportunity of sweet fellowship with our God. And we can forget the mystery and the wonder of life with faith like a child and simply neglect to persistently ask our Father questions. And when we miss opportunities of fellowship with our Creator, we are not equipped to do what He has called us to do. We have been studying together the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus, and I hope that you have found, as I have, a great challenge Great comfort in his words as we continue to learn to build to last. Remember that Jesus began the sermon, sermon by declaring, blessed are. Blessed are. He began this talk with blessed are. Now, I don't know anyone who does not desire blessing. Do you? Everyone desires blessing. Even, even those who don't know Jesus long to live a blessed life. And typically, many people want to share that blessed life in some fashion. In fact, right now, many people, after something good happens in their lives, they post on social media, pound sign blessed. Okay, for some of you younger people, that thing you call a hashtag used to be called a pound sign and a number sign. Just seeing if you're paying attention. I know you lost an hour, but wake up. We all want to be blessed. We all want a blessed life. And in this sermon, we have the Son of God. The Son of God describing how to live a blessed life. But are we listening? Are we listening? Are we listening to his description of morality that goes way beyond the physical act of committing a particular sin, but pierces to the heart motives? Are we listening to the description of what it means to live decisively and honestly, not needing to flower our statements with empty promises? Are we learning to pray the way he instructed, and are we learning to love others and learn discernment instead of attempting to take his role as judge? Are we listening? And as we take a look at the next few verses in Matthew 7, of the Sermon on the Mount, we find Jesus is beginning to wrap up this sermon. But before he completely finishes the whole of this talk, he ties up the descriptive content with the verses that we're going to talk about today discussing blessed living, and he highlights a relational component of our faith and the gold standard of life statement. As we look at this passage, we find that persistence is key in relationship with the Father. Persistence is key in relationship with the Father. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Ask, seek, and knock. What kind of a relationship do you have with someone that you do not talk to? How deep is your relationship with someone if you don't keep asking them questions? How rich is that relationship if you don't seek, continually seek to spend time with them? 
How good is that relationship if you stop knocking on the door of their house so that you can hang out with them? In order to help us understand the call to persistence in relationship with the Father, let's read a parallel passage on the subject. Jesus was speaking again. Luke 11, verses 5 through 10, it says, And he said to them, Jesus, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. See, this story highlights, again, the importance of persistence. Because the one man did not get up to help his friend simply because he was a friend. Now, Jesus' statement is that the one helps because the one in need persisted in the asking. Persistence is key in any relationship. Persistence is key in any relationship. And like the Energizer Bunny, you must keep going, going, and going. You must keep asking and seeking and knocking if you want to enjoy the richness of community with your Father. You must keep asking. The Expositor's Bible Commentary makes this observation. It says, The sermon has begun with acknowledgement of personal bankruptcy and has already provided a model prayer. Now, in three imperatives, ask, seek, knock, symmetrically repeated, and in the present tense to stress the persistence and sincerity required, Jesus assures his followers that, far from demanding the impossible, he is providing the means for the otherwise impossible. Quoting Broadus, he says, One may be a truly industrious man and yet poor in temporal things, but one cannot be a truly praying man and yet poor in spiritual things. Far too often Christians do not have the marks of richly textured discipleship because they do not ask, or they ask with selfish motives, end quote. You ever seen a person who lacks the marks of richly textured discipleship? See, too often it appears that some Christians say a prayer of faith and then just ignore the Father and what He says. Some even blame others for their lack of discipleship. We can blame parents and pastors and other saints who failed to disciple us. And even those who work diligently in their pursuit to know God and walk with Him can still find themselves at times neglecting to spend time asking Him for anything. The passage that was just referenced, James 4, 2 through 3, says this, says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You don't have because you don't ask. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Come on out, kid. Have a guest for just a moment. This is my number three child, my oldest daughter. Tell everybody your name, please. Grayson. Grayson. Grayson, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. 
I changed the question a little bit, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> trying to mess with you a little bit. No, all right, so have you ever had a time in your life that you should have asked mom or dad a question for, and asked for help, but you did not? Yes. Yes, okay. Can you tell everybody one of those times, please? I didn't ask for help when I needed uh, help to open a locker. Okay, you needed to open a locker. Is this a school? Yes. A, a locker at school. You needed help, and you didn't ask for help. So what happened eventually? I got my shoes stolen. You got your shoes stolen. Yes. That stinks. Actually stinks. I don't know why people would steal dirty shoes, but it's okay. All right, so your shoes are stolen. Okay. Um, so let me ask you a different question. Am I a perfect father? No. <laughs> she was quick. <laughs> Take a breath. I knew she was going to say that, but still kind of reminds me of my need. Right, so I'm not a perfect father. We, we, we know that, right? Um, but, but do you have confidence me in, in me as a dad? Do you trust me? If you ask for help, do you think I would try to help you? Yes. Yes. But you didn't ask. Not at that time, you didn't. Okay. Um, what are you going to do next time? Ask. You're going to ask for help? You sure? Yes. Okay. How much does dad love you? A lot. A lot? Who loves you the most? God. God does. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that he loves you the most. Because remember, I'm not perfect. <laughs> She's just smiling at me. All right, that's good. Thank you. Give her a hand. It's not easy to stand up and tell people you're wrong. You have not, because you ask not. You see, like Grayson, we can miss opportunity. She missed an opportunity to, to actually have fellowship with dad or, or mom and, and get help with the, with the thing that she needed help with, to learn together, to, to, to have communion there. She missed the opportunity to actually do what she needed to do. perhaps would have kept the shoes from getting stolen. You and I can also miss the opportunities to be close with our God. We can miss the opportunities to, to commune with him and, and ask him for help because we just simply don't take the time to ask. And we miss the blessing of that opportunity. The passage we read also talks about missing the blessing because we misunderstand what blessing really is. We ask for the wrong things. We ask for the wrong things. We take Psalm 37, 4 and says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we think that that means that we will get whatever we want if we just believe enough. See, we fall into the prosperity gospel lie that God's number one goal is to make us happy. Physical health and material goods are fine to ask the Lord for. Jesus himself prayed, give us this day our daily bread. He connected our prayers to the Father with, with regards to our everyday needs. But when we selfishly ask for things rather than to seek to know God deeper, and when we fail to ask for help to live as he desires, then we miss the whole point. We miss the whole point. James 1, 2 through 8 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. James goes on and says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, the Lord calls us to persist in asking, seeking, and knocking on the door to get to know him. And he promises that he will answer. He promises that he will answer. Puritan J.C. Ryle says this in his plea, a call to prayer. He says, There are exceeding great and precious promises to those who pray. What did the Lord Jesus mean when he spoke such words as these? Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that, that, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What did the Lord mean when he spoke the parables of the friend at midnight and the importunate widow? Think over these passages. If this is not encouragement to pray, words have no meaning. End quote. See, God promises that he will answer. He promises that he will answer. And these words, these scriptures that, that Pastor Ryle just reminded us of is encouraging for us to pray, to continue to ask, to continue to seek, to continue to knock. Because when we ask in Jesus' name, he will answer. But I know times in my life where it seems that he doesn't answer. Have you ever had those moments? It appears that he doesn't answer. Or how about this one? I really believe that I fervently asked in Jesus' name that my grandmother would be healed from her disease and yet she passed away anyway. What then? What then? God promised that he would answer. I prayed faithfully in Jesus' name. Why? Why then is it different? I don't pretend to know all the answers of how God operates in every scenario of our lives. But I do know this, that God has never, ever once failed me. Never once. He's never failed me. And I think that sometimes maybe he allows that loved one to pass away so that like Job, I am challenged to seek. I am challenged to keep asking. I'm challenged to keep knocking on the door to understand who he is. And if I seek him in truth, and if I ask him for help, then he comforts me and he encourages me with himself. With his very presence. And I also know, particularly about my granny, that perhaps my request was in part selfish. Why? Because I didn't want her to leave. Because I wanted more time with her. But actually the father did answer that prayer. He healed her. See, she knew Jesus. So she's not sick anymore. She's not tired anymore. She has gained everything. Because she gets to sit with Jesus in paradise. That prayer was answered. Just differently than I expected. God answers 
our prayers. And a part of that understanding, an important note is as we talk about the persistence in relationship to the Father, we have to understand that He never stops pursuing us. He never stops pursuing us. Those who belong to Him are promised that He will never leave nor forsake us. And when we ask Him, when we seek Him, when we knock on that door, He shows us who He is and He reminds us truths like this one. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This truth leads us to confidence. Confidence is crucial for us to stay persistent in pursuit of our Father. We must be confident in whom we are asking. Matthew 7 9 through 11 speaks of this. It says, Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Any of you parents ever given your kids rocks to eat when they're hungry? No, me neither. I might have wanted to sometime. But as an imperfect father, actually, I do know how to give my child a good thing. And I may not be a short order cook and give them everything that they wish, but I will not feed them rocks. Or I may not bow to their every whim like a genie in a bottle, but I will seek to care for them and not throw poison at them. How much more does the perfect father love his children? How much more can we trust him? We can have confidence in him because he is so much greater. And he's able to care for us, his children. He is able to care for all of our needs. J.C. Ryle again says this. He says, there are wonderful examples in Scripture of the power of prayer. Nothing seems to be too great, too hard, or too difficult for prayer to do. It has obtained things that seemed impossible and out of reach. It has won victories over fire, air, earth, and water. Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought fire from the sky on Elijah's sacrifice. Prayer turned the council of Ahithophel into foolishness. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib. Well might Mary, Queen of Scots, say, I fear John Knox's prayer more than an army of 10,000 men. Prayer has healed the sick. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has procured the conversion of souls. Jesus said to ask and to seek and to knock. Jesus said to be persistent in our relationship with our Father. And He has said that we can be persistent because He is trustworthy. He is a good, good Father. Just as we sang about a few moments ago, He is good. And He continues to prove Himself over and over again as one we can have confidence in, so we must persist in our asking. We must learn to ask for the right things which means that we seek first the kingdom of God instead of our own stuff. And we must be confident in his giving. <coughs> See, this confident, persistent seeking the kingdom of God is what allows us to live according to the gold standard of life. This persistence allows us to live according to the gold standard of life. 
You ever heard of the gold standard of money? Some of you heard that? Some of you have not heard that. Here's the definition. Gold standard is a monetary system in which paper money is freely convertible into a fixed amount of gold. In other words, gold backs the value of money. For a time in history, the gold standard was a system used in order to help many developing countries and the world economy to do business together. A common standard typically allows different people or groups to operate more effectively together, and the gold standard did that in many ways for a time across the world. But like many man-made systems, it didn't last. It didn't last. And if we read the next statement in our passage today, we find that Jesus brings up an old standard of living and puts his own twist on it. And living by this standard allows all people to live out the blessings of life. That statement in Matthew 7, 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You've heard the statement, I'm sure. It has been named the golden rule. The golden rule. The Exposers Bible Commentary makes this observation. It says the golden rule was not invented by Jesus. It is found in many forms of hi- in highly diverse settings. About AD 20, Rabbi Hallel, challenged by a Gentile to summarize the law in the short time the Gentile could stand on one leg, reported responded, what is hateful to you do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. Go and learn it. Apparently, only Jesus phrased the rule positively. Thus stated, it is certainly more telling than its negative counterpart, for it speaks against sins of omission as well as sins of commission. Dr. Tom Constable says this, says the recurrence of the law and the prophets here takes us back to 517, the beginning of the body of the sermon. The phrase forms an inclusio. Everything Jesus said between 517 and 712 was essentially an exposition of Old Testament revelation. Consequently, the therefore in this verse probably summarizes the entire section, 517 to 712. The golden rule sums up the teaching of the Old Testament. Rather than giving scores of specific commands to govern individual behavior during the Advent era, as the Old Covenant did for the Mosaic era, Jesus gave this principle. Dr. Constable continues, it provides a rule we can use in thousands of specific cases to determine what righteousness looks like. Doing to others what we would want them to do to us is what the law and the prophets taught. This behavior fulfills them. This behavior is the will of God, and that is why Jesus' disciples should do it. That is why Jesus' disciples should do it. See, the blessed life is that believers in Jesus have the opportunity to love as Jesus loved. The blessed life looks like having access to the good Father who hears us and longs for us to constantly ask and seek and knock, all while confidently knowing He will answer. And unlike the parent who can be annoyed with the child for persistent questioning, our God tells us to ask Him patiently, listening. See, he calls us to have a childlike faith filled with wonder, filled with with awe in which we ask for mountains to be moved because the people on the other side need to hear about Jesus. Jesus. 
He commands us to cry out to him to redeem the hearts of oppressive leaders who are killing our brothers and sisters. But his grace is sufficient for all. So we can cry out and ask for their heart to be changed. He desires for us to call upon his name and ask for wisdom and courage to step into a conversation with our neighbor and introduce him to him. He delights in us asking for help to face that disease that we can't do alone. But perhaps you struggle like I do at times. And you have grown up and you have learned so much that you neglect the fact that you are dependent on him. And therefore you neglect to even ask him for help because you want to do it on your own. Perhaps you're unstable in your ways because you keep asking for selfish things due to covetousness and envy. Instead of asking him to expand his kingdom through you, through the gifts that he's given you, your prayers are nothing more than wishing upon a star to enhance your own territory in your own name. See, like children who ask hundreds of questions daily in pursuit of knowing mom and dad and learning from them, you and I as children of God, we are blessed when we persistently ask, when we seek, and we knock before our Father. He shows himself to us so that we can know him and learn how to live as he desires, to treat others as we wish to be treated ourselves. So, how are you doing at asking? What are you asking God for that his answer will without a doubt show his power? See, Moses asked to see God's glory. Elijah asked for fire to come down on a dry altar. And we pray for things like a new dress, a new suit. Again, find things to pray for. But what are you asking God for that will test your faith in your family, in your church, in your community? What are you asking God for that will actually look like mountains being moved? And who are you specifically thinking about right now that you can care for this week? By name, you can ask the Lord to help you care for somebody, to follow the golden rule, to treat them in a way that shows his love and care. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I like to do this from time to time. I, I do want us to stop and be quiet and actually practice what we've been talking about. I want you to ask God. I want you to seek him. Think about all those areas of your life and ask him for his power to show up. And come up with that name of the person you're going to care for this week and ask him for help to do that. Let's take a few moments to be quiet.
you would keep praying. It's very possible that someone in this room does not know Jesus. You're lost and you don't even know that you can ask for help. The scriptures say that God loved you so much that he gave his one only son, Jesus, to, to die for you, that, that he would take your sin away and that if you believe on him that you shall be saved and have everlasting life. And I challenge you to ask God now to save you. To confess your sins. Declare your need and ask him to show you his glory. And if you did trust Jesus or have questions, please come tell a staff member, come tell me, some other person. We would love to pray with you and ask God to help you grow. Please come find us. Father in heaven, it is by your grace and your grace alone that we are saved. The work that you did allowed us to have life, life that we didn't deserve but life that is good, life that is blessed because you are good. And Father, I just ask that you would help us learn to communicate with you the way you desire. Move in our hearts that we would go to you first in everything in life, that we would ask you first, that we would seek your desires above our own and because of that we would be blessed and able to bless those around us that we would be able to treat others the way we desire to be treated in Jesus name Amen